Hello, everyone, and welcome to Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies presented to you by the on Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can find me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I am joined by a blast from Husky Nation's past. This man finished his career with over 170 tackles, a member of the Orange Bowl team. This man was a two-time MAC champion, and this former Husky great looks to strap back on his helmet and gear up on a field near you this upcoming season. Huskies on tap listeners, I am pleased to present to you Boomer Mays. Boomer, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing pretty good, man. Absolutely. So I see, you know, the the beginning of our relationship or our Twitter relationship that we started talking. I saw that you are getting, you know, you're trying to get back to the league. And, and you know, you've played in a couple of these smaller uh, developmental like AAF and your call football leagues. But what um, what made you really, you know, kind of feel like you had that stretch and that push to get back to the NFL or maybe even the CFL this year? Well, actually, I'd never stop uh, trying to go. So I, this stuff's been consistent. And, and, you know, I've played with a lot of guys the past three and a half years that are start, NFL starters. So I know if I can play with them, I can play with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know I had just seen the article with the Eagles. I, I My apologies for misunderstanding it. But, yeah, you know, you played in the Alliance of American Football and the Your Call Football League. So go ahead and take Husky Nation uh, through what it was like here. We'll go Your Call Football first. What was it like playing in that league? Take them through the format because I know it's a very fan-centric league. They give the fans a lot of power in that league. But uh, take the fans through what it was like playing in a league like that down there in Jacksonville. All right. Well, first – so the fans actually call the plays for the offensive uh, side of the ball. So before each snap, the fan has like 40 seconds to choose from a list of plays. And if they win out of that vote, the offense runs that, that play they choose. So it only works for the offense, but the defense, you have to line up to whatever formation you see. So, I mean, it's pretty good. It's a faster pace and less timeouts, uh, hardly any commercials. So it's 100% football for like an hour and, 15 minutes, I think, what they got it out to. Yeah, I was going to say the games are pretty pretty much like uh, they're they're trimmed, but they're still like full-size games, like 15-minute quarters, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, And they've come Everything. a long way. I don't know if you've seen – if you saw the first season that they had, but the first season they had, they were playing at like high schools. And to see for them to be able to build that to where they're playing at NFL facilities and like you said, NFL-level talent, there's a lot of good stuff going on over there. I hope they can uh, – find their way to the other side of this pandemic and give guys like yourself an opportunity here to play some more football. Yeah. Yeah. They got, they did a good job of getting a lot of guys that actually got released from NFL teams on the third cut and then bringing them in straight from there. Yeah. So with you being on the defensive side and in the, in the fans kind of calling the plays, were you running Mike during all this or were you playing uh, more like a uh, weak side or uh, on the outside? Mostly Mike. So what's that, on what like, formation? what's that like not knowing until like 15 seconds before you're like, all right, we're going to get some random play. What are we trying to gear up for? And it's just like some dink and duck pass from the from the fans. <laughs> well, actually, it's not as bad as you think, because you still have uh, the base formations that you can line up in and you can read off of. Now, you know where to line up. You just don't know exactly what they're going to run. So, I mean, all your years of experience, you know, film study that you have a pretty good idea of where to where the ball is going, really. It's just exactly. You're, 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 re- you're reading your keys, and defense is read and react. You've been doing this all your life, so it's nothing new to you. 
But no. take us through. Okay, so you, you spent a little bit of time there in the Alliance of American Football. And that was a league that, you know, they took the nation by storm, you know, early in February, the week after the Super Bowl last year. And they showed a lot of promise early. How was your experience over there with the AAF? You know, it was pretty good. It was a quicker experience. I thought it was going to last a lot longer than it did. But, you know, they did a good job of what they did, bringing guys in from, you know, NFL teams, former D1 standouts, and then bringing them all in to pretty much a eight uh, eight team league. I think that's what it was. So eight teams, two sides of division and a playoff system. Yeah, and it was unfortunate that they weren't able to see the end of their season. And then, you know, even this year, you know, you've brought up, you've been on the journey trying to get back to the league. You've been playing in some of these uh, developmental type leagues that like the XFL, too. You had your shot at the XFL this year. What did you think about that league? Um, It showed, you know, somewhat of promise. But unfortunately, with everything that's going on in the world right now, unless they find an investor, it doesn't look like it's going to be bad. Yeah, you know, I haven't heard too much out of it since it uh, kind of went under. But from what I've seen, it seemed like it was a league that was going to make it. I mean, they had, what, 20 years to prep for it. So, I mean, they had everything structured pretty well. Yeah, and we're both right around the same age where we, you know, we saw XFL 1.0. And I think they, you know, they tidied things up a lot bit, a lot of it, I would say, or a lot more than before. But it was more of like a, it still kind of had that renegade type feel to it. But, you know, mm-hmm. with them with them doing the on the sideline interviews, you were like basically in the huddle with coaches, which would never fly in the NFL or, you know, big college football. But it was cool to see at that level. I remember one game in specific. I'm sitting there looking at poor Matt McGloin on the sideline for the New York Guardians. Like somebody get this man some help, please. He's just throwing the DBs. He's like playing catch with them at this point. So it was uh, it was cool to see. That when you make that mistake, that media member is right there. And then when you go and score a touchdown, they're right there. So it made for some good sound bites and some good interviews. But back to you, Boomer. You know, you're you're taking, you know, you're taking your shots here to get back on an NFL roster. Uh, what do you think your best angle is? Do you think it would be at the linebacker position or or trying to get on the roster as a long snapper? Actually, it's both. I mean, most guys can maybe only do one thing, but being able to do two things at a high level, the top level. I mean, that's something no one else can do. Yeah, exactly. And we hear this all the time, you know, when when they're, you know, when the draft process is occurring, you see guys getting picked up via the UDFA route late rounds. If you're, you know, a skill position player, linebacker, a DB, you know, a receiver, something like that, you better be mm-hmm. able to run down on kickoff or do something on special teams because you know how it is. You know, when you get to campus here, you're not handed the middle linebacker position. You got to nope. prove yourself on special teams in practice and on scout team to make it happen. So, I think showing that ability and that ability alone, you know, any you can find any bruiser your size to run down and smack someone in the mouth on kickoff. And I'm sure you do that very well after you get off, you know, you get off your snap. But a long snapper is is a very uh, it's a very fine tuned skill. And for you to be able to do it at a high level um, is is very, you know, very admirable. And you were an all Mac linebacker. So, you know, you do yeah. you do play at a high level and, and, you know, you won the Mac championship twice. Your freshman year, you were able to get to the Orange Bowl. You had a, you, you know, you have had a very successful football career up to this point. I want to get back to your time here at Northern. So going into NIU, who all was involved in recruiting you? Well, I actually uh, committed before my senior year of high school, and I committed with uh, Coach Kill and his staff. And then when Coach Kill left, they all went to Minnesota. In comes 
Coach Dorn and uh, his Wisconsin staff, and then my scholarship stayed with him. So actually, my first year was with Dorn because Kill had left. Yeah, and honestly, I, I didn't even piece that together. That's really honestly crazy that you were able to stay and piece together the career that you did here. Like I said, two-time All-Mac player, two-time uh, Mac champion. You know, remember the Orange Bowl team? A lot of times, and I mean, it's more of the climate in college football nowadays. I mean, look at how many people just transferred this last week from NIU. But you were able to stay with a different coach who may not have had the same, you know, mindset for what he wanted as a middle linebacker and you turned it into a hell of a career here at NIU uh one thing I wanted to ask you because you did play in a lot of big games what was your uh, favorite stadium that you got to play in during your time at NIU outside of Husky Stadium you mean like away games yeah away games yeah you know that's hard to say we played in a lot of tough stadiums a lot of uh a lot of stadiums that had a reputation for uh not allowing any road victories which I don't know if anybody knows we held one of the records for uh, away wins, so winning in away stadiums. But, I mean, I played in a lot of big stadiums. It's hard to pick one that just sticks out. Yeah, and you got to play, like you said, you played in a lot of big games. We talk about it all the time on the podcast. We don't schedule cupcakes. Obviously, we play in the Mid-American Conference, so we know it's a group of five school to begin with. But you bet your ass, mm-hmm. they're, they're scheduling power fives each and every year. And it's not like they're go. You know, we win these games not, not oh, yeah. all the time. You know, you can't win. You can't win them all. But a lot of times we're going. You know, that Ohio State game that you were a part of, twenty to thirteen. Like, let's be real. No one thought you guys were going to go in there and give Ohio State hell like you guys did. And for you <laughs> we guys, did. yeah. Well, you guys did exactly. <laughs> and that's all that counts. But you know, forget about what guys like I have to say or what the media says and the fans. You guys knew what you were capable. And the teams that you were a part of were some of the most talented and badass teams that NIU has seen, a true embodiment of the Hardaway. What would you say, you know, for NIU to get back? Hammock's coming into his second year. I really like a lot of the recruiting that he's done and the movement that he's done. What do you think NIU has to do to get back to the level of play that they were at, you know, when you were a part of the program? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is with uh, Coach Carey, who was our uh, third coach, what he preached one year we actually went all the way back and started from the beginning. So he took us out of the old or our new locker room and put us in the old locker room and showed us, you know, how they did it, did stuff back in the old days before they had the Jordan Center. So basically they got to start from the roots and build their way up. That's the best way. You got to start from the beginning. Yeah, and I think, you know, with bringing in Coach Hammock, an NIU guy and alum, someone who, you know, was a grad assistant and coached here a little bit before he left, is the perfect mm. candidate to bring in to have that culture change. Not to say that, you know, Col- Coach Carey left it in a bad state, but when you lose your coach, like you saw this year, we lost quite a few players. You know, big Jack Heflin, he's going to be transferring. Still have yet to see where he landed. Mitchell Brinkman just landed over at uh, South Florida, and C.J. Perez followed Coach Carey up to Temple. I heard, yep. today, I heard today as well that Lorbeck will be transferring as well. So it's an unfortunate situation, but these are the casualties that you have when you have a turnover in coach. So I see a lot of fans, you know, painting a narrative like, oh, putting it on hammock. And, it, you know, the reality of the situation is that's just how college football is at this level when a big coaching change like that happens. Um, yeah. Back to when you decided on, you know, NIU, you said you came here during coach, you know, when Coach Kill was still the head coach. What made you decide that NIU was a school for you to continue your football career at? Well, for one, uh, my position, my role, that I'd be playing on the team. And then, you know, they were honest. They told me, 
we need a linebacker, and we need a long snapper. And then not to mention, every one of the guys I talked to had nothing but positive stuff to say about the team and about the organization, the coaches, and everything. It's definitely a player's team. So that right there alone just separated half of them. And then they never got beat. They've scheduled the same uh, caliber teams, you know, the SEC, Big Ten guys. They never lost any games. You can go to a Big Ten team and never make a bowl game. You go to NIU, you're going to play in BCS Bowls. You're going to have five bowl rings. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I was going to say, I I looked up uh, your college football reference, too, to look up, like, all the game logs and all that stuff. And you were were able to play in four bowl games, and one of which, you know, your freshman year was a BCS bowl game. So I got to ask you, you know, coming from a group of five school, knowing, just knowing that between, you know, the American Conference, Conference USA, the MAC, the Sun Belt, some some people call it the fun belt. We call you know our <laughs> our conference. You know we like our matching over here. It is yeah. extremely hard to be that one team that gets that bid. What was it like to go to the Orange Bowl your freshman year to play down there in South Florida against Florida State, EJ Manuel, and that team that was stocked and loaded. You know I was just watching that game the other day and I'm sitting there looking at Jameis Winston on the bench. And I'm like that team was loaded as well. What was it yeah. like to play in that big game? You know, it wasn't no no different than any other game of the season because if anybody goes back and look at our season that year, we had a lot of tough games on our schedule. There were several teams that are ranked in the top 25, especially in the MAC, not to mention our first non-conference games. So that game was, I mean, it was nothing we hadn't wasn't ready for, wasn't experienced for. It was just a literally just another game. I actually did not even know how big the game was until what the day before the game or seeing it, you know, advertise on TV and commercials and stuff like that. I was going to say, was, yeah. it, was, it, was it until you whacked that dude on kickoff early in the game? Did you realize you were there? <laughs> well, well <laughs> I mean, I knew where I was, but just the, uh, the caliber, how big it was. You know, people, I mean, we was in the store and people were coming up to you asking your autograph. People yeah. that weren't even NIU fans, just people that live in Miami. <laughs> yeah. So No, I was... I was I mean, watching crazy. that, and you guys you guys put on a hell of a show. It was a very close game early. The defense was hanging, and that was a very talented NIU team, arguably you know, one of one of the best, if not the best, NIU team that we've seen here as a school in the history of NIU. Uh, but I got to ask you, what were some of the most talented, we'll go top three players, offense or defense, that you got to play alongside of in your time at NIU? Top three offense, you said? Offense or defense, I'll broaden it. You can, or if you want, you could do both. We've had people do both before, so you get six then. I mean, it's I play with a lot of good guys. I mean, it's if you go back and look at our list, we have like an all-star list. I mean, a lot, of NFL, that, a lot of NFL names too, including yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't be honest. It's definitely hard. I mean, there's a lot of guys that stick out in my mind going against guys in offense on practice, like you know Andrew Ness, Aiden Conlon, you know Jordan Lynch, obviously just linemen that stick out but I mean receivers we were always loaded with receivers running backs you know quarterbacks we had Heisman quarterbacks so, yeah I mean, that's crazy that's awesome that you you know you were a part of uh you know you know you may not have played on the offensive line but to get again a group of five player in the Heisman contest and actually yeah. unfortunately this year his record which stood for over five years was just broken this year by um I think it's Malcolm Perry over with Navy 
They don't mm-hmm. pass the ball. They don't pass the ball at all. Maybe three, four times a game. So we'll say it's a little bit of inflated numbers. That's our record. We're gonna need that back. But yeah, um, you know, you 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 brought it up. You were a part of four, you know, four teams that made it to bowl games. You guys were highly successful. Five actually. Five, five actually. Yeah. So five. The GoDaddy Bowl was uh, my redshirt year. I didn't play, but that was the oh. first one. Okay. So go daddy. Yep. So we were a part, you were part of five bowls. And on top Fuck. of that, it's like, you look at, you look at the, the schedules that you played. It was very high quality opponents. The Mac was a, you know, across the board. I think right now the Mac's a little top heavy. It was a little bit more evenly competitive across the board. Every team had a little bit more of a pop. You guys mm-hmm. escaped in overtime on one of the Mac championships. And, you know, when you come to NIU, you know that one of your goals is to win the Mac championship. So what was that like to do that? You know, you made it to the game, I believe, was it three times, if I'm not mistaken? Made it every year I was there. Every year. So you made yep. it every year. What was it like, though, to win the MAC, knowing that you were going to get a priority bowl game on the other side? You know, honestly, because back then our mentality wasn't thinking past that game. So our whole focus was that game. And then we all expected to win. We just had to go out and do it. So, I mean, after we won it, then it kind of set in, and, you know, people started talking about the Orange Bowl, BCS. I mean, we were still riding the, the win of the MAC championship. So, I mean, it was kind of riding away pretty much, but our whole focus was, I think we played Kent State was that year in yeah, overtime. Yeah, that was the like Kent double, State year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that had, was a nuts game. <laughs> yeah, because I remember they had uh, an all-access, ESPN did all-access on Kent State coming leading up to that game. And I mean that that just threw fuel on the fire for us. So Yeah, and, and it's one of those things too. NIU always seems to be the underdog. We have embraced that type of mentality and it's proven to be one of, you know, if not you know, one of the most winning group of five schools. And it's unfortunate with what's happening uh in college football and, and as far as funding and all that goes right now, that we're seeing schools like Akron or other schools in the Mac losing some of their funding. I did just see uh, mm-hmm. this last week. I wanted to ask you your take on this because, from my understanding, you were a part of the teams, you know, before the home game. You guys go over – I don't remember what hotel it is, but one of the local hotels, and you guys spend the night there as a team. Everyone's yeah. accounted for. Rochelle. Yeah, in Rochelle, right over there, probably about 15 minutes away from DeKalb. Now everyone just, you know, the chips fall where they may. If you're living in the dorms, you're sleeping there. If you live in the apartments, you sleep there. What do you think – you know, it's not too big of a difference. I think it was more of a luxury for the schools. <laughs> But mm-hmm. from a preparation standpoint, do you think that some guys will, you know, they'll will will find more guys in the headlines getting into trouble and doing dumber stuff here? This not necessarily on NIU's campus, but across the college football landscape this year because of that. Oh, absolutely, because you know, guys there if they're outside of uh, outside of being you know structured, they'll find ways to get in trouble, whether it's on purpose or on accident, especially the night before games, because everybody wants to come up and talk to them, hang out with them, and this and that. But, you know, if they're on their own the night before game, I mean, I, I don't see anything positive coming out of that. Yeah, and two, they also announced that they're going to be cutting. I believe it's they're going to they're gonna lower the roster for traveling to six less players to make it to 70. So I know they're trying to trim <clears> the fat where they can to save some money. But one thing I wanted to ask you, too, so – you know, you went to NIU, you know, and you played there during a time where the, there, the, you know, there wasn't an empty seat in the stadium. What do you think we have to do as a school, I or Ethan have to do as someone that, you know, 
really tries to promote you guys and promote NIU as a whole. What do you think we have to do to get the program back to that state? You have to win. You have to play the best and you have to beat the best. That's the way they did it before I even got there. So that's the reputation they built it on. Just win, baby. I love that. Just win. So you played in many wins, many wins in your time here at NIU. What were your top three memories as a member of the NIU Husky football team? Uh, Always the Toledo games. Those all (laughs) literally came down in the last second. I mean, if that that's not a football game, I don't know what it is. It's a war is what it yeah. is. Yeah. So yeah. Them, those games, and then I think the Mac West uh, title game was always a big game for us. I think we all we played Western Michigan. I think they said that that should have been the game of the year when we played Western Michigan, my, I think, 2014, because we were down and came back and won that game in the snow. <laughs> Snow football is so snow football just hits different. It's fun to play and it's oh, fun yeah. to watch, fun to write about all that. I love seeing games like that. And and you know, one thing too is, you know, with the match and you guys get those goofy Tuesday, Wednesday night games right in the middle of your school schedule kind of just throws a crazy wrench mm-hmm. in everything. What was it like for you playing that type of schedule? You obviously knew what you were getting into when you you know, when you committed here. But balancing your student and your athlete life, what was that like with the midweek matching games for you? You know, when you look at it, it's, it looks tough. It looks intimidating a little bit because you got classes, finals, papers, and then you got to turn around and play. But it wasn't too yeah, terrible. Yeah, I was, was going to say straight fireworks in those midweek matching games. A lot of scoring, a lot of commercial breaks. We got to get the ad revenue up, get the max pocket. Oh, yeah. But hey, those games are always fun. And, and, you know, you brought up Western Michigan and Toledo. It's always a battle with those two. Uh, last year, you know, they took a cheap shot on our guy Ross Bowers up there in Toledo. And then when Western, <laughs> of course, when we yeah, had, of course, that was one of the worst cheap shots I've seen uh, in my year, many years of watching football. And then, you know, they pop Western Michigan off to send the seniors off the right way to end the season this year. Uh, but mm-hmm. one thing I, I wanted to ask you, too. So playing in some of these smaller and developmental leagues, you know, trying to get that shot back at the NFL, what is that like? You know, you know, you have to be the guy that kind of pops off as that best player on film to get that shot. What's it like playing in those leagues? You know, it's, uh, you know, it's competitive because everybody in there is there for the same reason. They all want to, you know, the chance to get called to, you know, NFL team. So, you know, everybody's hungry. Everybody's got a resume so it's they're actually pretty exciting it's pretty fun and then you see you get to measure yourself up to get against guys that you uh never got a chance to play against so i mean there's a lot that goes into it yeah and i I was gonna say too you know you're playing up against a lot of former d1 d2 some of the hbcu guys a lot Mm -hmm. of people that you know played at the same level of you just played in a different conference different side of the country and you guys may not have crossed paths but you have that same mindset that same will to win, that same drive, and that nev- you know that no quit mentality where you have an opportunity to strap the pads on, you're going to go out and do it, and you're going to give it your all. I got to ask you, as someone from NIU who had their shot at the NFL, what was it like going to camp uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the other teams that you had your opportunities with? You know, NIU, our practices were pro-style practices. So when I got there, I think it was Deron Brown. He was a receiver he was a year older than me at NIU and I asked him I was like you know 
what's the layout, what's the structure? He goes, it's the exact same stuff as NIU. Literally, it was new to everybody else but us. I mean, our schedule was down to the T of what the pros do. So there was literally no gap, no jump between college and pro. That's awesome, though, that you guys, you know, you came into it controlling every single possibility and every single factor that you could. So you could just keep it football. It was between, you know, it was between the hash marks, between the sidelines and what you did on the Mm -hmm. field mattered the most. And, you, you know, like you said. NIU, they prepare you in a professional way. I obviously was not a part of the athletic department, but I see that structure. We, you know, when we had Coach Hammock here on the podcast, we talked about how both Ethan and I have had several classes with football players, and those seats are never empty. They're usually there on time and sometimes staying late, raising their hands, participating, not, you know, not being the, the general stereotype or stigma that people have surrounding football players. You were able to grab your degree here from NIU. What did you graduate with? Uh-huh. And, um, you know, have you been, you know, outside of football, have you been able to use it for jobs as far as, because uh, I saw you were doing a little bit of acting as well. You've done a couple other things outside of football. What yeah, did your, uh, I what, did yeah. business, business comms with a little bit of advertisement. Okay. So I actually used it a little bit. I had a friend that uh, he actually owns his own company and stuff like that. And he invented a, a new type of weightlifting bar. So I've been able to listen in on his conversations about it, about the ups and downs, kind of utilize that. And then I actually had a couple of friends out in L.A. One of them, he's actually a pretty famous actor. And the other is uh, he's actually does a little bit of acting and writing and producing. And they uh, reached out to me. It was like, hey, if you ever want to do this, just uh, let us know. And I was like, all right. So I have free time. So until I get signed, we can make something happen. So that's pretty much how how it worked. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, you look at shows like All-American and these football shows, they're Mm. looking for players that have the same frame and size as you and can move and look like they're actually football players. So there is an avenue for, you know, I watch the show Ballers. There's probably, you know, there's going to be more football-type shows or or movies, and those, Mm. those movies require actual people that look like football players. And we got one right here in Mr. Boomer Mays. And two, if you can parlay that into just regular acting and you could be on, you know, regular TV shows or, or movies, that would be that would be really cool. And that would be, you know, a lot of people, they only want to think of football players as athletes, stick to football, just do that. Yeah. But as the late, great Kobe Bryant, you know, always stated, you know, you got to be more than your sport. You want to be an expert in yeah. many different fields and be good so that, you know, when your playing career is done the well isn't dry. You're still bringing in income. You're still kind of competing because, you know, if you're in, a, in yeah. an acting field, you're definitely not getting handed the job like you didn't get the middle linebacking job for free when you got here at NIU. So I think yeah. if you, don't, you can find the positives and definitely go out and kill it in that industry, and that would be awesome to see. You'll have to let us know, and we'll definitely promote whatever you're a part of. Other than that, what has, you know, what has life been like after, you know, graduating here from NIU? You know what? It has ups and downs, but... If you go through NIU, we went through during that time with, you know, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, lift, meetings, practice, going to class, you know, studying when you're dead tired. This stuff is actually easy compared because all you have is one thing on your mind, one thing to deal with. But back at NIU, I mean, we had football, we had weights, we had class. I mean, you know, you got your apartment, you got the bills and all that, but you just have one thing, and that's your profession. So it's definitely you definitely get adjusted very easy life after football in my my experience 
Yeah, and it's it's good to see that because a lot of times, you know, you go from being the man at your respective high school. You had a really mm-hmm. good career here. You had your shot at the NFL. And when that career runs out, a lot of you see a lot of football players or basketball players or whatever sport it may be, they go through kind of a dark stage. And it's good to see people see, you know, see oh, yeah. success outside of their field. So it's great to see you do that. One thing I wanted to ask you, too, because, you know, with the recent news of college football players and basketball players and athletes being able to collect on their likeness, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Obviously, I know they're going to be positive, but how big time do you think that's going to be, especially for uh, some smaller school guys like our NIU Huskies to maybe get some extra money in their pocket to pay the bills? Well, one, I wish they had done that when I was there. When we was on the uh, NCAA, when they had the – one of the highest rated uh, teams to play with. And that year, I mean, the Orange Bowl year, the year after that, all the way to my graduation, uh, if they had done that, who knows what would happen. I mean, I think it's I got its positive. Boomer, I still play with you guys to this day. <laughs> I got the game. I stream, <laughs> I stream it sometimes. When I play the online games, it's your guys' roster. It's Lynch back there. You're playing linebacker. Yeah. It's all, all the guys back from the 13 roster. And then uh, they made – because you know everyone's nerds nowadays. They made like a glitch to where I can get like last year's roster, and then there's one for this year's roster as well. But I haven't gotten that one yet. But yeah, it's pretty I cool. Still have, I still have people say that uh, they still use Garrett Wolf as one yeah. of the running backs because he's like one of the highest rated running backs ever on NCAA. I don't think many people know that. <laughs> yeah, no. And 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 Hammock was actually talking about Wolf. He is almost like oh, yeah. the, the model of NIU football, you know, severely undersized, had the heart of a champion, went up to Ohio State, gave them hell, went and played for our Chicago Bears. He was, you know, someone that when you're trying to pitch someone to come to NIU, that's a story that you want to reference. Uh, one thing I wanted oh, yeah. to ask, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, what would you say was the most talented team or the most challenging game that you got to play in uh, during your time at NIU? See, I mean... There were so many. <laughs> I think, I mean, we had, we had our challenges. We always overcame them. But uh, the one that I just quickly stood out, stood out in my mind was uh, in Eastern Illinois one time. Yes, believe not Eastern, not uh, Arkansas or Northwestern, but Eastern Illinois. The Jimmy G had, game. Uh, yep, he was the starter, and I think they were up by 20 with eight minutes left in the fourth against us in Husky Stadium, and we came back. Within eight minutes, won the game. And, you know, all that's, pro quarterback standing back there. I was going to say, that's nuts. I mean, there's that game. Obviously, the uh, 2014 Western uh, Western Michigan game. I mean, I have to just sit and think about it. I mean, there's so many. But those two, I think, just stick out in my mind firsthand. Just from the situation of the game, you know, what happened with, you know, people going down injuries, how quick they got on top of us on score. And then how we were able to come back because a lot of our wins was us coming back because you got to play fourth quarters with us. That's was our motto. Yeah, and, I was going to say you ain't getting out. of You can win the first two or three, but you're not getting out of that last quarter alive. Oh, no, because we weren't we weren't weak by any means. We were conditioned and then we were always mentally tough. And then one thing that people didn't realize, we just always knew we were going to win. We expected to win. I mean, we it got to a point we weren't even nervous when we played because we knew we were going to win, so. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of, you know, you still see a lot of the guys from your teams playing in, whether, you know, I saw, um, I'm going to butch the name, but Joel was over there with the Salt Lake Stallions playing some running back. I saw oh, his yeah, name. Joel. I saw his name uh, involved with some of the XFL this year. 
Tommy Lee Lewis got absolutely decapitated as the Saints got robbed at the end of the NFC Championship game. He could have had his chance oh, yeah. to get a ring. Kenny Galladay is an all-pro receiver and an absolute yeah. nightmare for me to have to deal with as a Bears fan for two, two <laughs> games a year. Because I'm like, I want to yeah. see him eat, and I usually grab him in fantasy. But I'm like, oh, please just don't beat us. But, yeah, you, you played on some talented teams. Um, it was a great career here for you at NIU. I want to ask you, though, what would you say you missed the most here about being an NIU Husky? Most as a player or just by student on campus? Uh, player? Bob, you, yeah, player. Yeah, we'll do player. All right, player. Playing with other guys in front of our home crowd, knowing we got the longest home winning streak in the country in Husky State, and we had that. It was longer than Alabama. Playing front of you know your own crowd in Husky Stadium. I think that's probably the biggest thing that stands out in my mind as a player. Yeah, and we gotta you know we gotta get we gotta get Husky Stadium roaring back to the way that it was. And like you said, you know the best formula for that the best formula for that is to just win. And I think Coach Hammock has that formula cooking up in his lab. That man stays busy. Oh, he de- he definitely he'll definitely have it. Yeah, he uh he's been doing really well with the recruiting and I think the thing that's most most special about the way that he recruits is just his process. He makes sure to make a special connection with the athlete and the family and he's not just throwing, mm-hmm. you know, he's not just throwing darts blindly at a dartboard just hoping that, you know, he'll get 25 or 30 guys to stick. He's making sure that he, you know, uses his commits valuably and they played a lot of tough games last, you know, the, the yeah. record the record was five and seven, but you know with with the few outlier games they were in just about every game last year. Uh, a couple guys, or just one thing you're most excited for the upcoming season, uh, if we do have it here for 2020. Just to see him play again. I mean, being an NIU Husky, a former NIU Husky, seeing you know Coach Hammock out there, seeing the guys you know with the NIU logo on their inside their helmet coming out of the Origin Center. I mean, I mean that takes you back. I mean. You just know this. Our games used to be exciting, so you just know they're gonna they're gonna find that spark. They'll turn it around and they'll get to where they want to be. And they're gonna be once again. And I use gonna be a top ranked team. They're gonna be beating everybody, and people are gonna be scared to play them. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, and like you said, you know, it was. And let's, you know, we'll call a spade a spade. We'll be completely honest. They had one down year. It was one down year. We could you could chalk that up and throw it in the trash. If you look at the past 10, 15, 20 years. The numbers are there. They don't lie, folks. They're playing in MAC championship games. They're playing in these big bowl games. They're scheduling high. You know, they're playing, like you said, SEC, Big Ten opponents. They're not afraid yeah. to play anyone. We have the right. We have the right leader in charge. I really like, uh, you know, the work that Bowers has been putting in this offseason. Quality DBs. The receiving room is going to be great this year. It's going to be fun to watch, and I really just hope, uh, you know, they're able to get a season off, whether it's. You know, traditionally, you know, the way it comes out in August or September or if they have to play it in the spring, because I would absolutely hate to see those guys lose what they've been working so hard for to get to this point. Um, I got to ask you, though, before we wrap up here, what are some words of advice to future Huskies uh, coming into the program or some that, you know, are part of the program now? Trust in the part, uh, trust in the process and work hard. Absolutely. That's those, you know, I like the way you think, you know, you don't you don't beat around the bush. You're a straight shooter. You give you know, you talk it how you feel it. And, you know, you exactly, you know, the way that your life has has gone, whether it's been here at NIU or the way that you've been able to be successful in a couple different fields here, football, acting, stuff like that after your career. 
is a testament of what this process can do for you. And the things that you learned in football, they hold weight and hold water outside of your life. You are able to have oh, yeah. discipline to, to, you know, still, even though, you know, even though not, not necessarily getting calls from NFL teams, still going out there and having the initiative to put together a body of work, more film and more tape to show to the coaches and the scouts saying, Hey, I'm the same athlete that I was when I left NIU. Give me a call. Let me get to camp and the rest will take care of itself, sir. Uh, but I got to ask you a couple, couple more questions here before we wrap oh, up. Yeah. Um, do you, or are you currently, you know, when the, when the pandemic is over, or before the pandemic, were you working with any charitable organizations before that? I was not. Had had not had a chance to get to that yet because of the the shutdown of the XFL and the AAF. So every uh, when I get get my shot back in the NFL, I'll be able to get it. Absolutely, and that's something that you know it comes with time. You got to have it to give it, and you know once you get there, yep. I think you know you have the platform and the channels to be able to do great things. Uh, when it's all said and done, you've played your official last snap as a football player. Do you think maybe you'll go into uh, some sort of coaching or, or training of young athletes? You know, I don't know if I'll be a coach. I don't know. I haven't thought about that yet. But if anybody ever wanted my help, I'd definitely help them. I mean, all you got to do is come to me. I'll help. Well, if I ever have a young son that I want to get to the league, I've always told my friends kind of jokingly, like, when my son is born, I don't even know if I'm going to have a son. My girlfriend is not pregnant for our listeners, and everyone calm down. <laughs> but, but I want to train him how to be a long snapper. You just got to oh, learn. Yeah. You just you just got to learn how to long snap. You just got to throw a missile back there to the punter or to the you know to the holder. We teach you that one job. You control your one of one on that football team. Let's get you on a roster and let's go. Hey, whenever you're ready, just call me up. I'll have him right. Absolutely. Do you have any trick shot videos that we can maybe post? Are you a trick shot snapper as well? You know, I'm not a trick shot. I've never actually done them. Of course, I probably can. But I used <laughs> to snap to a, a kicker that he uh, got signed by the Patriots. He was a trick shot kicker. Oh, Josh yeah. Gable? Yeah, Josh. I used to snap to Josh. He's a beast, dude. He can kick like from anywhere on the field. Like it's kind of alarming how good he is at kicking a football. Oh, yeah. That kid's I mean, an athlete. Is he still is he still over there with the Pats? I know that was that was last season, right? Yeah, that was uh, during the playoffs, actually, right before the uh, loss in the playoffs, I think. Yeah, because uh, Gustowski went down, and I think he actually I think they're going with a completely different route for their kicker. They uh they clean house. No more uh, no more TB12 up there. The AFC East is maybe free. We'll see. I think the Bills will probably win that division, but it's uh. It's a lot. A lot of stuff's changing in the league right now. A lot of places, a lot of a lot of new faces in different places. Gurley's with the Falcons now. You know, you got Tampa Bay going down there. Who's your NFL team? Who's mine? Yeah, or I don't know if you had prior to going to the league, but who who was uh, your NFL team growing up? I would say because sometimes people change. You know, I never had one in particular. I just liked. I just always watched. I never had a favorite. I mean, there's so many good players. Who was uh, one of your favorite players growing up? Maybe someone you modeled your game after. Uh, I actually didn't have one specific. There was a lot of good teams. You know, the Rams, I remember, used to be good because they were right down the road in St. Louis when they had uh, Marshall Grinch. Falk and Isaac Bruce and all of them. Yeah. yeah. My dad's and, actually, like, the biggest Rams fan in the world. So I, uh, I, I like that team. That team will go down as one of the best teams. And, and Kurt Warner. A developmental yeah. football player 
that's one of the stories that I always preach to people, especially in your position where you're playing in like the XFL or the AAF. You're right there. It's right there for the taking. You go out and do what you've been doing your whole life at a high level. That call will come and you know what you're going to do when you get to camp. So you just got to continue to trust the process. It's almost like a, it's almost like a last chance. You are like a Juco situation where, you know, you know, you can still make a living. You can get paid off of this. But if you can mm-hmm. just crack that surface, you know there's a, a, a wider horizon on the other side. And Boomer, you are right there, my brother. Uh, I got to ask you, though, yeah. one uh, one thing I want to ask you, you know, with you being able to play across these different leagues, what was the favorite league? Um, where we're going to exclude the NFL. But from the developmental side, what was the favorite league uh, between your call, AAF, and XFL that you got to be a part of? They were all – they all had their positives. I think your call was the most unique because – fans choosing to play i mean that's real life man so from a fan's perspective i say your call <laughs> yeah i from, tried to uh, tune in and call some plays but I, I i just uh i don't know it wasn't my forte you won't catch me on the sideline with the little waffle house menu like matt and aggie <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, but that was that was uh that was where galco was originally working right the guy that was running yeah the, eric player so that's probably yeah, where you had that you had the uh, avenue to get to the XFL. So see, that's how football works. It's you know you you got to know the right people in, in your position. And I think you know the way you market yourself and and you know I always see you out there tweeting positive stuff. You're definitely doing all the right things. It's just right now is the weirdest time in all of sports. We don't know. They're saying I don't know if you've heard some of the models, but they're saying right now that the schedule that they have in place is made so that they can grab the four weeks at the beginning of the season and throw it on the back end. So, you know, like we've all been seeing and, you know, no, the government doesn't know. I don't know. You don't know the NFL. Nobody knows what's going on. But one thing that you are doing is you're staying ready. So you don't have to get ready when that chance does come. And I appreciate that. I think, I think that's admirable. And you know, what, you know, what you are doing in the dark will come to light when you get your opportunity. And I can't wait to see where that's going to be. Um, real quick, plug your social medias. Where can we find you at here on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you get your uh, social media on at? At Boomer Maze. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, you'll be able to see a lot of a lot of people you would never expect that I talk to on there. Anywhere from A-list celebrities, rappers, actors, of course, all the NFL players. I talk to them quite a bit, so. Yeah, well, it's pretty entertaining. Some of the guys that you were going against in college, I was looking at uh, that old Ohio State game that, you know, the game that you guys went up to to Columbus and, you know, you battled like hell. That team is like an NFL Pro Bowl team. Like looking at the players on that team, like guys like Zeke, Michael Thomas, all those guys, you Mm -hmm. played with some dogs, against some dogs. You yourself are a dog and a Husky, but... It was it was it was great to see you. It was great for you to reach out to us. I will say we've only had two people reach out to us about coming on the show. And that that is something that I am I'm happy to say, because, you know, you went to the school before we did. And and for us to be able to have that reach, whether it's through Twitter and get you on the show, talk about your time, help out maybe a future recruit or a future Husky. You know, it's all for the good of the program. I'm happy you were able Mm -hmm. to join me here for about an hour. Do you have any wrap-up words for Husky Nation here before we go? Go get it, man. Go get it. That's it. Hey, you heard it from Boomer Mays here first. Former All-Mac, All-Conference linebacker here for the Northern Illinois Huskies. We were able to talk life football, life after football. 
the ability to, you know, be a chameleon in society. You know, if you, you know, say the cards don't go your way, you know, the NFL is not calling the ability to be successful in different realms of life and trusting the process and the values that football instilled in you. But I got nothing else for you guys today. Husky Nation Boomer, do you have anything for the listeners before we wrap up? Ah, thanks for listening. Perfect. Well, you heard it here from Boomer first. Stay tuned to Huskies on Tap in the future for other interviews with former and current Husky players and staff members. This was another quality episode of Huskies on Tap presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. And go Huskies!